Welcome again this morning. We're so glad that you're here. I want to say welcome to those of you who are watching online. We're glad that you are joining us as well. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen? Well, that was not a rousing response. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? That's, that's a little better. Guys, I preached to cameras for like almost a year. You got to be with me, all right? We're so Glad you're here, and uh, and we're excited about what God is doing. I loved what Pastor Joel shared this morning. We um, we would we do encourage you to get engaged and get involved. You know, during this year, it, it's been easy, at least for me, to sort of feel like, oh, there's so many challenges, there's so many unknowns. You know, just kind of put things in neutral and put things on hold. But but the truth is, in spite of a global pandemic. We still have a life to live, right? We still have things to do. And at North Place Church, as the church, we're still in the disciple-making business. You know, a lot of people panic. We can't get together in big groups, so can we still be the church? And, and, and when people say that, it seems to me like they're missing the whole point. The Bible never, never said that our responsibility is to have big group gatherings. The Bible said Jesus specifically gave us the instruction to make disciples. And we can make disciples in lots of different Ways. So for those of you who are parents, uh, we just encourage you, please connect with our ministries that are available for disciple making. Mom, dad, you are the chief disciple makers in your family. Did you know that? You are the chief disciple makers in your home. Your children, their discipleship is primarily your responsibility. The wonderful thing about being a part of a church like North Place is that you have volunteers and pastors who are here to come alongside you and to help you in that disciple-making process. And so I just want to show my appreciation to the, the youth ministry and the children's ministry that are involved with that. And to you as parents, as Pastor Joel said, encourage you, just connect with those tools that are, are available to you. Well, we're sharing uh, some messages about about being audacious, and in particular, about audacious prayer. Last week, we talked about praying audacious prayers, and um, we shared about how God is doing a miracle, has done, and is doing a miracle for us at North Place Church. Last week, I shared with you that as much as we have been praying for years, even before the launch of this church, that the Lord would give us a facility that would, would allow us to do what it is that he's called us to do, to be a blessing to our community, to be an intersection between us and our community. Uh, last week, I shared with you that uh, the Lord had provided resources so that we could uh, find a facility, that we could buy that facility and not be in, in debt in that facility. And I shared with you to pray because we were uh, negotiating on some different uh, buildings. And I'm happy to tell you today that we have made a deal on a building. And I'm not going to show you the building or a picture of the building yet because uh, we're, we're waiting. We're, we've draw, we're drawing up the sales agreement until the ink dries on that sale agreement. I'm not going to show pictures. If you want to see me after service, I may be able to show you one on my phone. But um, we do have a deal on a building that's right here in our neighborhood. And uh, we're grateful that the Lord is providing. Amen. But what, one of the things that I'm learning in this whole process of, of praying these audacious prayers and seeing the Lord bring them to pass is that it's, it's not, you know, you, you hear these stories about the Lord doing miracles, but what I'm learning is that it's not necessarily an instantaneous thing. 
that there is a process to, to the Lord bringing to pass his miracles in our life. And, and, and what I want to talk about today is this, is that when we pray audacious prayers, we have to understand that audacious prayers and audacious praying really is a birthing process. Last week when we started the series, I, I shared the statement. I'm going to repeat it today because I, I think it sort of summarizes what we're talking about. It, and that is this. I, I said, I wonder how often we short circuit God's provision and his protection in our lives because we lack the spiritual resilience to live in the tension of faith. What I'm learning is that this walk of faith, this life of faith is really a space of tension. You know, that space between knowing something to be true and seeing it as reality in your life creates this tension. The way the scripture describes faith to us is exactly that. That space between where I am and where I, I know God is taking me. As we have been dealing with this sort, this global pandemic, I, I feel like I've, I've sort of been under the impression that there is a global epidemic and it's not just COVID-19. I believe that we have a global epidemic of a lack of resilience. The inability to really handle stress and pressure and handle when everything isn't going right. And, and unfortunately... Unfortunately, I believe the church, instead of, instead of the church providing a, a better example or the church providing an alternative example, I feel like the church is mirroring this sort of global epidemic that exists in the world where, where people no longer are really developing resilience in their life. I believe that we as the church have come to a place in our existence where we're, we've raised up a generation of Christians who do not have spiritual resilience in the same way that I believe as you go around the world and and you you see where there's the the lack of ability to really handle pressure and stress and work through difficult problems and situations we've raised a generation in the church where it's the same way and and can I let you in on something I think that it goes back to what I talked about earlier I think it's because of a lack of discipleship I think we got into the business of building big crowds and we got into the business of putting on really good shows. And we got out of the business of disciple making. And when we got out of the business of disciple making, we stopped building resilience within people. What I, I believe that I'm coming to understand is that if I'm going to be a person who prays audacious prayers, if I'm going to be a person who moves forward audaciously into the things that God has called me to do, then I must be the kind of person who has spiritual resilience resilience. I believe we have to have spiritual resilience because I believe that audacious praying and, and audaciously receiving the promises of the Lord in our life is going to require that resilience. This week, I want to look at a, an episode in scripture that I've, I really have been reading this story my whole life. It's, it's 
just an amazing story to me. And, and during your daily 20 this week, um, we're only going to be able to look at a part of the story. I want to encourage you during your daily 20 this re- week to really focus in on 1 Kings about chapter 16 to chapter 19, chapter 20. It's just a fascinating story about a man named Elijah and his interaction with Israel and a king named Ahab. If you go back to chapter 16 of, of 1 Kings, what you find is a lineage where the scriptures sort of list uh, these different kings of, of Israel. And it comes to the end of the chapter and it talks about a man named Ahab. And scripture says about this man named Ahab that he was more wicked than all of his forefathers, all the ones that had come before him. So these guys just get, kept getting further and further away from God until it came to Ahab. And it said that this, this dude was involved in all kinds of wickedness. He married this woman named Jezebel and led the people into all kinds of uh, idol worship and all kinds of idolatry and sexual immorality and all of this wickedness wickedness. And in response to the wickedness that Ahab was leading Israel to, God raised up this man named Elijah. You get into chapter 17 and God speaks to Elijah and says, Elijah, go tell Ahab that I'm not going to let it rain until I speak to you again that it's going to rain. And so when you read chapter 17, there's this whole episode where Elijah goes to Ahab, tells him it's not going to rain. It makes Ahab mad. It makes Jezebel even madder. And they're like, we're going to kill this guy, Elijah. We're going to take him out. And they started chasing down all of the prophets of the Lord in the land and killing off all the prophets of the Lord in the land. And yet God takes Elijah and hides him so they can't kill him and does this sort of series of miracles in Elijah's life. And that's where we pick up in chapter 18. I want to read to you uh, from chapter 18. Let's start in verse 1. It says this, after a long time, everyone say long time. I like that. You did so much better than first service, but don't, don't tell them I said that. After a long time, so it's been a while since this word first came to Elijah. After a long time in the third year, so we find out it's been three years or at least three years at this point. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So now it's been three years since the original word that the Lord gave to Elijah about stopping the rain. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. So here, let's catch up. So there's Elijah, the crazy prophet that God said, go tell him it's not going to rain. He went and told him it wasn't going to rain, and God's been hiding him for three years, protecting him for three years. After three years, God says, okay, Elijah, go tell him it's going to rain. So he goes to Ahab to tell him it's going to rain, and along the way, he finds this man named Obadiah. Now, the famine had been severe, so imagine three years without rain. You know, we've been like one year of COVID, and I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm done, right? It's three years of no rain. People are getting desperate. The situation is getting desperate. 
Ahab summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. So he called Obadiah, his right-hand man, to come. Now, here's what Scripture says about Obadiah in parentheses. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. With food and water. With water. So here Elijah is, the Lord speaks to him, says, Go tell Ahab it's going to rain. If you keep reading in chapter 18, Elijah's on his way to go tell Ahab, and he comes upon this man named Obadiah, who is the king's right hand man. The wicked, the wicked king's right hand man, the Bible tells us, is actually a man of God. The wicked, terrible, horrible king that is involved in all kinds of idolatry, sexual immorality, that is leading the nation astray, God has placed a devout man right next to him as his right-hand man. And when Elijah's on the way to go tell, to go confront Ahab, he comes upon Obadiah, and, and, and what happens is he says, okay, go tell your master that I am here. As you keep reading, and I, and I, again, would encourage you during your daily 20 to read this story because I think there's some things the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you as you look in detail at this story. Along the way, as, as, as Elijah says to him, look, I'm here. It's time for things to change. All of a sudden, the story begins to unfold, and this birthing process of the miracle of God starts to take place. Last week, we left off. At the end of the message called Audacious, as we started this conversation, we left off by saying, listen, if we're going to pray audacious prayers, we have to understand that audacious prayers, this life of faith, of seeing God do incredible miracles in our life, it's really all about trusting God to fight on our behalf. And that's exactly where Elijah had been living. He had gone to Ahab. He had told him it was not going to rain. Ahab and Jezebel declared an all-out war on God's prophets. They were going about trying to kill God's prophets everywhere. And God hid Elijah and protected Elijah. And Elijah had to just trust God to fight on his behalf. As we learn about praying audacious prayers, I wanted to start this morning with this statement. Audacious prayers require a stubborn commitment to what God has spoken to us. Elijah demonstrated to us a stubbornness that I believe few of us, well, some of us are pretty stubborn, a stubbornness when it comes to the things of God that I'm afraid somewhere along the line we have given up on. Elijah was stubborn about what God had spoken to him. So stubborn that he went and he stood before a king and said, it's not going to rain. So stubborn, in fact, that he went three years and allowed God to hide him, to protect him, to take care of him, to do all this stuff. And when it came time to once again return and stand in front of a king who he knew hated him and he knew wanted to kill him and to tell him, okay, now God is going to change the situation. Stubbornness is something that I think comes natural to many of us in other areas of our life. I'm just wondering, how much do we possess stubbornness as it relates to spiritual things? Elijah was a man who was committed to what God had spoken 
to him. When it comes to the promises that God has spoken in your life and my life, the promises that he's made to us as his children, we must be people. If we're going to pray audacious prayers, if we're going to audaciously step into those things that God has called us to, we must be committed to what God has spoken to us. Nothing causing us to go to the right or to the left, but be committed no matter what, even if it's a long time. Some of us in this room know that God has spoken things to us in our lives, and it's been a long time. The challenge this morning, friend, is will we, will we remain committed to God's word over our lives? This, um, during the last several weeks, as, as we've been in this conversation about uh, audacious prayers, Desert and I have had a lot of laughs as, you know, because audacity is a two-way street. Stubbornness is a two-way street, right? It can be a good thing, but it can also be a, a challenging thing. And it seems like over the last several weeks, Desert and I have like had to catch ourselves because we've had interactions with people and we've been like, the audacity. Can you believe they did this? Can you believe they thought this? Can you believe they acted this way? And, and as I've been thinking about it, and really, as I was preparing for today, I, like I told you, I've been reading this story my entire life, but the Lord showed me something in this story that I don't think I'd ever really noticed before of, of, of a way of, excuse me, of a way in which audacity can affect us. And if we're not careful, it can, it can cause challenges in our life. I wanted to show you this. When, when Elijah was on his way to see Ahab, Elijah was going in the sense that God gave me this word and I'm going to deliver this word. And as you read the story, what you find out is Elijah kept repeating this phrase. He kept saying, I am the only prophet left. If you read chapter 18, you'll see Elijah, that was a part of his declaration. If you read chapter 19, even after God does a miracle in his life, provides fire from heaven, a storm, all this sort of stuff, and, all, and he begins to get challenged again, eventually in chapter 19, he winds up in a cave having a literal nervous breakdown. And in the middle of his nervous breakdown, after God had done a miracle, Elijah stands before God and says, God, I can't take it anymore because I'm the only prophet left. But the fascinating thing was, Elijah wasn't the only prophet left. When we read this story, what I read to you from the beginning was that, number one, there was this man named Obadiah who was a righteous man. He was a righteous man, and not only was he a righteous man, but he had risked his life to save a hundred prophets and had hid them in a cave. So we know at this point that there's at least 101 other people who are serving the Lord. Then when you read chapter 19, you find when Elijah says, Lord, I'm all by myself, the Lord says, no, you're not. I've reserved 7,000 people who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. You may say, Pastor Randy, why are you saying that? Well, it's this. Here's what I've learned about being audacious, because I've had the tendency in my life to be audacious a few times I've had the tendency to be stubborn a couple of times and what I've noticed about myself is the same pattern that existed in Elijah's life if you're not careful when you're audacious if you're not careful when you are stubborn you can come to a place of believing that you're the only thing God has going on 
You can come to a place of believing the prayer that you're praying, the work that God is doing in your life must be the only thing that he's doing. And if you're not careful, you can become very judgmental of other people. You can even reject other people and what they're doing because what they're doing is not what you're doing. Honey, let me tell you something today. You're not the only thing God has going on. Sir, you're not the only man God is using. You're not the only one that he's reserved for his purposes and his glory. And if we're not careful, this is just a warning from your pastor. When we get audacious, when we get stubborn, we must be mature enough to understand that God is using other people. In fact, he may be using other people in a way that we can never even comprehend. Something so complex as he may have somebody else who's the right hand man of the wicked king who's trying to kill you for delivering God's word I'm trying to lower the plow a little bit because I want you to understand see we're not children here and we have to be mature in our faith and we have to understand there's multiple levels of what God has got going on but see we behave like the world and we confuse audacious praying with immature stubbornness and before we know it inside the church we're judging Obadiah because God has gifted him and anointed him and caused him to be close to the king and we're saying how can he be a man of God and being close to the king he's not doing what I'm doing He's not over here living in the Kareth Ravine, waiting for ravens to feed him and bread from heaven. He's living in the palace. He's the right-hand man to the king. I'm the only one who's heard from God. See, audaciousness, audaciousness exhibits itself as stubbornness in our flesh. And if we're not careful, even though God is moving in us and through us, if we're not careful from chapter 18 to chapter 19, we find ourselves having a mental breakdown in a cave because God has been because we're not listening when God has been telling us, Sir, ma'am, yes, I'm using you. Yes, I'm speaking through you. Yes, I want you to hang on to the promise, but you're not alone. I'm God. And I got this. North Place Church, I believe God is using us. I believe he's got a hand on, his li on our lives as a church. I believe that he's got a calling and an anointing on this church. But we're not the only game in town. We're not the only one that he's using. There's other churches and other expressions of his glory and his power. There's other expressions of what he wants to do in South Africa, in Southern Africa, on this continent, around the world. And we must be careful to not get judgy. We must be careful to not become so stubborn in our single-mindedness of what God has called us to that we can't recognize and understand the blessings of Obadiah's and blessing of other, other prophets and other caves and other things that God is doing. Amen. I don't know about you, but my tendency along the way as I've learned about being audacious, my tendency has to become so myopic that I can't see God is using others. And before I know it, before I know it, I'm judging Obadiah. I'm not receiving them. And Obadiah's like, hey, you know what, Elijah? If, if I go tell Ahab that you're here and you, you know, fly away in the spirit or something like that, I'm going to get killed. See, Obadiah had concerns. Obadiah was being used by God as well. And Elijah had to cooperate with what God was doing through Obadiah, not just do his own 
thing. Being audacious doesn't mean that we do our own thing. Being audacious means that we're cooperating with the collective plan of God to accomplish his purposes on the earth. That statement right there is worth the price of admission. We have to understand that we are a part of God's collective plan to accomplish his purposes on the earth. When we're praying audacious prayers, we're not doing our own thing. Audacity and audacious prayers are a process that God leads us to to accomplish his purposes. Chapter 18, verses 30 through 35, then Elijah said to all the people, now let me bring you up to speed. Elijah has come before Ahab, said, go get the prophets of Baal, go get the prophets of Asher, let's have a showdown, let's see which God will answer with fire. They've collected on the mountain, the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Asher, they did their thing, they went through their motions, they've cried out to their gods, nothing has happened, and so Elijah says, all right, here's what we're going to do, let's, let's pray to the God of Israel and see if he'll answer. He called the people together, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. Here's what I want you to see. There's so many interesting aspects of of the process that Elijah went through. Uh, There's entire sermons and series of sermons that could be preached based on his particular steps. But what I wanted to highlight today is this. Audacious prayers are built on the right foundations. Notice that when Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord, the Bible says that he took 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel and he built the altar based on the, those, those 12 tribes, those 12 stones that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And you may ask yourself, why did he do that? Why did he build the altar that way? Here's what I want you to understand. Audacious prayers are not prayed on a foundation of what we want or what we need, but audacious prayers are built on the foundation of God's promises. The reason that Elijah gathered those 12 stones and brought those there and said, listen, we're building this altar based on these 12 stones because these 12 stones represent the promise of God that came to Israel from the beginning of time. This audacious prayer that I'm praying, it's not about me. It's not about this confrontation between my Myself and Ahab, this audacious prayer is based on a promise that God made to Abraham a long time ago that he was going to bless the whole earth. He was going to bless all nations through Abraham's offspring. Pastor Randy, what does that mean to me here today in 2021? It means this. You and I have to be people who learn to pray audacious prayers that are based 
on the promises of God. See, every one of those 12 stones had a name, and every one of those names represented a promise. Every one of us in our lives have promises that the Lord has made to us, and every one of those promises have a name, and every one of those names represents something that God has said, and what he has said doesn't, isn't just about us. It's not even just about our generation. It's about a promise that he made to Abraham. Scripture says that every one of us as children of God, we are the seed of Abraham. Our life in the kingdom of God is rooted in a promise that God has made. And the story of scripture is the story of God from one generation to the next generation to the next generation fulfilling his promise. See, when God blesses North Place Church and gives us the resources to buy a building, yes, we praise the Lord and we're thankful for a building. And yes, Desiree and I and the team and all of you that have been a part of this journey for so long, we've been praying for a building. But we have to understand that this promise that we are receiving, this promise that we are birthing, it's not rooted in our generation. It's not rooted in us having a building. It's based on a promise that God made to Abraham a long time ago that he was going to bless the whole earth through his people and that we are those people and therefore he is going to bless us. Every stone has a name and every name has a promise. And see, when you get that in your spirit, all of a sudden there's a boldness and an audacity in you about what you pray. All of a sudden, that long lost loved one who's strayed away from the Lord, who has a name, and that name has a promise over us, where God spoke to Abraham and said, I'm going to be jealous over these people. I'm going to be jealous over the generations that are going to come after you. All of a sudden, now when I pray about that long lost love, loved one when I pray about that building or that job or that whatever I'm not basing it on myself I'm basing it on a promise that God has been faithful to fulfill I start speaking into the lives of the people that I'm praying over and they may not even know it they may not know that they're a stone and that stone has a name and that name has a promise they may not accept it they may not receive it they may be one of those tribes that are in rebellion that are worshiping Baal or Asher or anything else but I'm saying Lord I can pray this prayer not because of their activity not because of their behavior and their choices but God you made a promise this is what you said about them long before they even drew their first breath God you made a promise on them and that promise isn't about this lifetime it's not even about what they do it's about something you spoke to Abraham generations ago and the same God yeah, <laughs> I'm out of breath What God said to Abraham, he's been faithful to fulfill over and over and over again. See, Elijah could step up and be crazy. He could be crazy in that moment, be surrounded by all of these hostile prophets and people who wanted to kill him because his confidence wasn't based on who he was. His confidence was based on these 12 stones that had a name and those names had a promise and the God who made that promise had been faithful all along. So he was able to step up into that moment and say, God, I know as you've been faithful in the past, you're going to be faithful even now. Elijah prayed these audacious prayers that he didn't pray them for his own glory. He prayed them because he wanted to point people to God. Verses 41 through 44, and Elijah said to, eight, no, excuse me, verses 36 through 38, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham. Hello? 
the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. See, here was a man who was building an altar based on stones and stones that had names and names that were rooted in a promise from a God who had been faithful to Abraham, who had been faithful to Isaac, who had been faithful to Jacob. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and I, I am your servant and have done all of these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that their hearts, so that their hearts will return again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Audacious prayers are prayed when people pray things that point, that point others to God, not to themselves. We have been taught a spirituality that is all about ourselves, that is myopic. We've become stubborn in our confession of prayers that have more to do with our own comfort and our own glory. And then we don't understand why it doesn't work. I sent my offering to prophet so-and-so. I put the oil and the cloth and I, I did the thing and, and I sprayed doom on myself. I did all the stuff I was supposed to do. Why isn't it working? It's not working because it's stubborn prayers based on flesh. It's not audacious prayers rooted in faith all about the glory of God we pray audaciously when we pray prayers that are rooted in the idea that it is about God's glory being demonstrated on the earth it's about promises that have moved from one generation to another when God made promises to Abraham it wasn't promises to bless Abraham for the sake of Abraham he was promising to bless Abraham for the sake of his glory filling all of the earth we pray audaciously Audacious prayers when our prayers are rooted in this idea, God, let your glory be revealed. Not a mansion or a shiny suit or a car for my glory so that people will look at me. Not God bless North Place Church with a building so we can all say, ooh, look at my church and look at our fancy building and look at how successful we are. See, those are promises that we claim when they're all about us. All the while, God has made us promises about revealing his glory. We are mature and we are audacious when we are aligning our confession the promises that we are claiming that are rooted in scripture. Elijah prayed these prayers with confidence and he prayed these prayers to point people to God. The challenge, the question for you and I today, are we praying prayers that are pointing people to God or are we praying prayers that are all about ourselves? Verses 41 through 44, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go and eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. He prayed, Fire came. All of this took place. Then he says to Ahab, go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. It's so hard when you read this story because it's easy to get caught up. It's easy to get caught up in the miracle of the Kareth Ravine. It's easy to get caught up in God's provision to take care of Elijah and to save him and protect him. It's easy to get caught up in this big firestorm that takes place on the mountain. It's easy to get caught up in all these things and forget that really the word was all about the rain. And really the rain was all about bringing revival to the people and restoring the people. And it was all about what happened after the fire came. See, the fire came and the people returned to the Lord. They remembered the Lord. And what did they do? They cleaned their house, right? They took care of the prophets of Baal. They took care of the prophets of Asher. They destroyed them. They got them out of the way. Because people who are living in the promises of God have no room in their life for witchcraft. They have no room in the, their life 
life to put their trust and their confidence in Baal. They have no room in their life to put their confidence in Asher. They don't have room in their life to play spiritual manipulation games, to allow their culture and to allow other things to influence their relationship with God. They clean their house. People who are living audaciously by faith are people who are living righteously. They clean their house, and when they clean their house, Elijah said, okay, okay, now as we've cleaned our house, tell Ahab the rain is coming. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. I've been fortunate enough to travel a lot of places in the world. And one of the things that, I, that, that is common is a mindset that exists in the world. And you probably have heard this mindset. And that is this, that, that, that women are the weaker sex. How many of you have ever heard that? Okay, some of you are not being honest because I know, I know the cultures that exist here. We, we all been taught that. And it's true all over the world. What I understand is anyone who believes that is clearly, is clearly someone who has never been in the delivery room when a baby was born. Now, guys, listen to me. This is probably TMI. It's probably too much information. But I have experienced kidney stones. And if you've ever experienced kidney stones, it's terrible. I mean, it's, it's bad. But a kidney stone is like microscopic compared to a baby being born. And I knew I was married to a strong person, but I didn't realize that I was the weakling in the relationship until I was in that room when the first baby was born. And it was in that moment that I realized that women are not the weaker sex, that they are actually the stronger sex. Because birthing a baby is hard work. And it doesn't happen instantaneously. There is a process. The picture that we see as we read the story of Elijah is that he literally gets down into the birthing position. And seven times he sends his servant to go look for any sign of rain. And only on the seventh time does he come and say there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. Literally what the picture is, is that Elijah is birthing this miracle that God has promised. Audacious prayer is a birthing process. A few weeks ago when I got the call that the Lord had provided the resources for us to have a building. I'm not exaggerating. When I got the call, I thought, that's it. We're going to have a building in a few days. By the time we open up for our birthday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to show a picture and show everybody, look at this building God has provided for us. I thought, because listen, I've been carrying this baby for a long time. And I was so ready to come and show you this picture because I thought, look at what the Lord has done. He's done this miracle, right? Fire has come from heaven out of nowhere. What is going on? And then what I found is it's a little more difficult than that to buy a building in South Africa. 
That even when you have the money and you want to pay what they want you to pay, it's still hard to do the negotiation. Birthing is hard work, and it's not instantaneous. Friend, God has made promises to us, those promises that he's made that have a name. Those promises that he's made that have a name have been going on for some of us for a very long time. But we have to understand that we just have to be stubborn about what God has said to us. And as we are stubborn about what God has said to us, we stay committed to the process. And the process is not instantaneous. And the process, even after God has done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, may require some pushing. And Elijah was, was committed to staying in the birthing position until there was a, si- a cloud the size of a man's hand. I believe the challenge from the Lord for us this morning is stay in the birthing position. Whatever promise he's made you that's rooted in the broader promise that he's made to humanity, every stone has a name. Whatever that name is, just stay in the birthing position. Just keep pushing. As we said last week, keep declaring God's promises over those people and those circumstances, over those situations. You declare his word even when they won't receive it, even when they don't know it, even when they deny it. Every stone has a name. Every name represents a promise and it's rooted in God's provision that is extended from one generation to another so we just keep pushing I want to ask you to stand with me all across this place this morning I don't know about you but I've got I've got some stones and those stones have names there's promises that God has made to me these promises are not about me they're about his glory And you've got some promises that he's made you that are about his glory. And it's easy. It's easy to get confused. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get discouraged. But I believe he's called us. I believe we are in a moment as North Place Church. We are in a moment to give birth to some incredible things that God wants to do among us. Audaciously to declare his word over circumstances and situations. Over promises that maybe are generation old. And I want to pray for you right now that the Lord would speak to you and stir within you a holy stubbornness. Not a stubbornness of the flesh, but a holy stubbornness over those things that God has said to you. Father, I thank you so much this morning for every one of my friends. Lord, I often admit it's hard. It's so hard for me because there's so much I want to say. There's so much I want to teach. And there's so many layers I thank you for a community of people that we've been journeying in with some time. We have a vocabulary here. We have a biblical understanding. I'm thankful, Lord, that I don't have to, we don't have to keep all of our sermons at a surface level. That, Lord, we can go into the complexity of Scripture and see that these are real people who are dealing with real life problems and situations. Elijah had real emotions and even though you were working out incredible miracles through him, he was still having to process his emotions. And Lord, as we've been on this journey and in this conversation about praying audacious prayers, you just put this check in my spirit as the under-shepherd in this flock. That Lord, I would encourage us as a community to not 
not believe the lie that we are alone. That God, on the other side of this miracle that you are doing, that we don't have to end up in a cave with a nervous breakdown, but instead we can be people who embrace, even though we're singularly focused on what you're doing, we can embrace that you are at work in and through other people and we are not alone, that we are collectively working towards your purposes. That God, we not allow the enemy to twist this stubbornness inside of us to a place of isolation, unhealthy isolation. But instead, God, to recognize that these stones, they have names, the promises that are rooted transgenerationally. And Lord, they are irresistible. They are irresistible because you are a God who's faithful over his word. I pray for every person that is here and every person that is watching online that right now the Holy Spirit would stir within us a confidence that you are faithful over your word. Every promise you've made, every word that you've spoken to us, every stone that you've placed in our hand, every name that we carry as a burden on our shoulder, Lord, comes with a promise that is rooted in your faithfulness, not in our capacity. Lord, I pray stir up faith in us right now in the name of Jesus.